0: Hey, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us here on the podcast. Thanks for downloading this, playing this in your car, on your way to work, or in the gym as you're working out, wherever you are right now. Thanks for taking the time to tap in here. We've got an awesome conversation with Carl Sakis today. Carl is a consultant for agencies that helps them put plans in place to help them grow their business to be where they want to be. Uh, Great conversation. We dive into a lot of different areas around agency growth, tactics, and processes that agencies can put into place. One thing we dive into is agencies using speaking as a platform for lead generation. Carl has a brand new book out on that topic, and if you stick around to the recap that Gray and I do at the end of the episode here, you can learn how you can enter to win a free copy of Carl's new book. He's going to be speaking at Inbound 15 this year up in Boston, so make sure you grab that track there. No more secrets given away. Dive into the interview, my chat with Carl Sakis. Here we go.
1: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray.
0: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Very excited to invite Carl Sakis to the podcast today. Carl, do you want to kick us off? Just give an intro about who you are, what your background is, and share with us a little bit about your company.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I run a business called Sakis and Company, where I help owners of fast-growing digital marketing agencies grow without the usual growing pains. That focuses focuses on consulting and coaching to help people around operations, strategy, and leadership. I'm based in Raleigh, North Carolina, but have worked with clients in 13 countries so far. So how did you the the
0: niche of agency consultant that's kind of a narrow niche how did you find this place and what brought you to that point in your journey
2: i've been in marketing since i was in high school i started as a web designer in 1997 back when it was netscape 3 and internet explorer 3 certainly a lot of a lot of things have changed since then found that i love marketing and i also love the business consulting side of things helping people solve problems i'm a fourth generation business owner grew up helping in my family's small business. And so business was something that that's always come naturally to me. What I found is as I've been working in agencies uh, as the head of business operations, so doing project management, recruiting, accounting, marketing for the agency itself, client service, people who start agencies often don't love the business side of things. And, and so they're, they're they're dealing with the challenges of running a business where they'd rather be doing marketing or design, or development, or whatever they really love doing. So in 2013, I I saw all of those pieces and decided to put them together, that years of digital marketing experience, that consulting experience, that business experience, and the agency experience launched what was then known as Agency Firebox, now SACIS & Company, and I've worked with clients all over the world.
0: That's awesome. Do you have... Are there any common pains that you see when you, when you start talking to a prospect or someone reaches out to you? Do you have two or three things that kind of stick out more than most of problems that you, you're
2: helping them solve? Absolutely. Every, every agency is unique in its own way, but there's certainly, certainly some common factors. One tends to be around new business. Some clients are struggling. Where do I find new clients for their agency? The flip side is sometimes people have so much business that they're struggling to keep up. And so that can be a challenge for them. It's around figuring out what are the the team structures, what are the process structures you need to handle that flood of business. So often it, it's sort of either feast or famine. You've got lots of business or you, you wish you did.
0: Nice. So what is a, if I'm an agency and I'm getting off the ground, walk me through what does it look like? To work with you, could you share a recent success story of a way that you've you've helped partner with an agency? What does that process look like? Sure.
2: So I help people on a strategic level and on a tactical level. So it depends on their particular needs. On the strategy side, I worked with a client on the west coast of the US. She had doubled in size in the previous year and came to me saying, I'm not sure what to do next. I know I need to hire new people. I know I need to make some changes. I don't think I'm charging enough you know, but I'm not sure where to get started. So for her, this was a a relatively broad consulting project where I dived in looked at the financials, looked at the team, looked at pricing and services, and a number of other things, and came back with a series of recommendations, including a hiring plan, here are the people to hire next, here are the people to eventually hire as you have more money to pay for them, and then looking at changes to pricing and services, changing around billables and, and things like that. And I, I'm happy to report that she followed my advice and over the next year, she doubled her profit margin.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, and, and we're, we're actually doing a follow-up project looking at what can she do to grow over the next three years to position herself to to sell the agency.
0: That's awesome. I think yeah. the one point you mentioned about Market people who get in and start marketing agencies—they love marketing, but the business operations side is kind of a struggle. It's almost like a different language sometimes, or you need a different way of thinking to adopt that. Um, one of the things, that, one of the books that was really, really helpful was Gray and I were starting our agency, Guava Box, was the E Myth um, by Michael Gerber. That's just the idea that you need to build an org chart and fill it in even before you have a team in place. Have a structure there that you want to incorporate. When you're talking with folks, do you see around the idea of team and expanding teams? Because that's a question that we get here at inbound agency journey a lot from our audiences. How can I grow well? Do you? Is there a specific position that you see is a good a good first move, or does it depend on the way the agency is structured?
2: It will depend on the agency and on the agency size. When you're smaller, and, and that's typically under eight to twelve people, you're going to have everyone doing a mix of things. Mm-hmm. You know, where someone is doing inbound strategy and they're doing client service and they're doing project management. And, and that's just the nature of, if you've got five people on your team, you're having to do a lot of juggling. As agencies grow, it typically makes sense to split those roles out. Client service, project management, and what I would call subject matter expertise. It okay. might be design, it might be copywriting, it might be automation strategy or execution, that kind of thing. So you've got client service, project management, and the, the SMEs.
0: Okay. And what would you, how would you differentiate the project management from the client servicing? What does that interaction look like? Do they overlap? What's
2: that? There are two different goals, and, and a lot of agencies combine the roles, which can be a challenge. So client service is focused, or account management is focused on keeping clients happy and typically upselling them more work. Okay. So you're the you know if, if this were a traditional ad agency, you know it's the the multiple martini lunch to wine and dine the client, so they they like the agency and they feel like they're getting what they, what they want okay project management and, and to be sure to be fair, most of my clients are not whining and dining with lots of martinis anymore uh, but on, on the project management side, the focus is more about keeping projects and retainers running smoothly okay. So a project manager is an expert at getting things done, whether it's a project or a retainer. The account manager, on the other hand, is an expert in the client's business. They need to know the client's business as well as the client, if not better. I I actually have a client where one of their account managers was such an expert on the client's business, the client has gone through several client contact changes on the client side, and part of the reason they've kept the agency is the agency knows the client better in their marketing <laughs> than anyone who's on the client side right now.
0: That's awesome.
2: That that's definitely great for for client retention.
0: Yeah. You got to spend that time and get to know who you're doing business with because at the end of the day it comes back to the relationships there. If you can establish a relationship, show them that you're willing to put in the work cuz you're as an inbound agency, you're asking your client to do a lot in terms of adapting to the inbound methodology to change the way that they market internally and think about marketing. And I think as agencies, if we can reciprocate that and invest the time to learn the industry well, that is something that can be really helpful. Um, Carl, as you're working with folks, do you see any – do you see success found in like selecting a niche and going after a niche like a a specific market or a specific vertical as a company? Or do you – are you of the mind that – you more more or less discover a niche, or you can work with a wide variety of clients across industry.
2: I am a fan of industry specialization, client industries. And it doesn't have to be just one across your agency. I, I found one to three okay. can work well. For instance, if you look at Kuno Creative, the large HubSpot partner, they focus on three in particular. They focus on software as a service marketing, they focus on healthcare practices, and they focus on specialized manufacturing. Those are very different businesses, but to their clients, people feel like that's the, that's the focus mm-hmm. because of the way they've structured things. Uh, so that, now, you don't have to specialize, but business is a lot easier if you focus on a particular industry. Say you're focusing on inbound marketing for lawyers. Well, you can speak at a legal marketing association meeting, and you can talk all about the challenges of legal marketing and getting clients and things like that. Whereas if you're more of a generalist, it's harder to find everyone in one place. Mm-hmm. You're chasing after more chasing after people more and and you're having to water down your message rather than having the perfect lawyer marketing message,
0: for mm-hmm. instance. Okay, so it's really finding a balance within that space and doing it with the motivation that you're narrowing your audience and the more narrow you get, the more targeted you can get in terms of new new client acquisition
2: that's correct for instance i have a client whose specialty is marketing within the adventure tourism adventure travel industry that's a fun industry yes yes Uh, and you know and to to your point about choosing a niche you know in in that particular client's case that that was their original background doing it on the client side and so it was a natural evolution For some of my clients who are struggling to find what their niche is, there's some things you can look at. One, who are your most lucrative clients now? And ideally, you're focusing on profitability by client. If you don't have that much detail, you can at least look at revenue by client. But you can also look at how much you enjoy working with them. You know, I mentioned the lawyer example. I have some clients who who would say, you know, they never want to work with lawyers. And, you know, I ha- having worked with lawyers at agencies in the past, I think it depends on the lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, but some, some are great, you know, uh, but focus on who do you like working with? You know, you could have a particularly lucrative niche, but you don't enjoy it. Uh, for instance, I, I have a client that's done work with real estate agents and the challenge they found is that although realtors get marketing, when you're working on residential real estate, all of the marketing budget is coming directly out of the realtor's pocket uh, yes, because they're commission-based. So they want to spend only just enough on marketing to sell the house.
0: Yeah.
2: So that, that's a bit of a structural challenge there too. But ultimately, it comes down to who are the people you like working with and, and then use that to inform. And you can always adjust. For instance, I have a client who specializes in professional services. And we were looking at his sales. And one of the things so we were trying to figure out, you know, is he looking in the right place? I asked him to list his five biggest clients. And the thing that stood out to me was that of those five, none of them were in professional services. His best clients were in a different industry. Hmm. And based on that, based on our discussion there, he's regrouped with his team to identify where he wants to shift. So we'll continue doing professional services but he's setting up a new niche for that area that turns out he's done really well in. Okay. Just hadn't, hadn't realized until we dug into it.
0: Have you ever come across a client who selects an industry like that that might be totally different and does like a spinoff brand or launches a, um, a microsite or a, another leg of the brand specifically targeting an industry like that if, if they find it's being too broad to group into the agency as a whole?
2: I have and and whether that's the right choice depends on the particulars for the the agency. For instance, work with a client who who has done more general web and online marketing and he started a business to focus on websites for churches. Okay. Which is which is a particular niche and in his case he spun that off as a separate brand because his his rationale is for the church market people need to feel like that's where he's focused mm-hmm. for his other clients. He's the concern would be, well, that, that, that isn't necessarily a benefit. It might be a potential turnoff or, yeah. or at least it, it's not in line with, with what his primary agency is doing.
0: Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Just analyze where you're at right now. Start with where are your most lucrative clients and just evaluate, is there an opportunity here to shed some more focus on? Cause I think, there's a lot of value that can be found in identifying a focus, but sometimes folks struggle with how to go about selecting that selecting that focus or just discovering that focus. We've had a, a mix of different people here on the podcast who've had insights there. Um, Carl, one thing I want to dive into is the give folks a little bit of a preview because you are going to be a speaker at Inbound coming up in Boston in a few weeks. Yes. Um, Would you mind giving us just a little bit of a background on the the presentation you're going to be sharing there and what folks can expect if they're going to be showing up uh, in Boston in September?
2: Absolutely. Well, I'm speaking in the partner track, the agency track, and in particular, my talk is focusing on growth. It's called Scale to Win, How to Grow Your Agency Without Breaking. And I'm going to look at several concepts, several pieces of that. One of them is around team structure. How should you have your team structured so that you can scale? And, and the way I, I differentiate between scaling versus growth in general is scaling is finding ways to grow without just throwing more hours or putting more people on, on things. What that, can you do to, to do it in more of a, a leveraged way? Yeah, I like that definition. Yeah, and so part of that will be team. Part of that will be looking at clients and services. What changes do you need to make to, to grow and to maximize that? And also, one of the things I'll look at, uh, we'll also look at time management, and the overarching theme to all of that is looking at what kind of an agency do you want to be. And in my work with agencies, and have done research with 60-some agencies, one of the key factors is, are you trying to run a high-growth agency or a lifestyle agency? Yes. High growth is focused on growing as quickly as possible, typically with an exit in mind. You're planning to sell your agency to move on to something else. Lifestyle is focused on making a great salary, enjoying your work, choosing the clients and the people you work with, but you're not necessarily looking to sell. Either of those can be a great choice. Most clients tend to be somewhere in the middle. You know, They might say, well, I do want to sell my agency eventually, but I don't want to work 100 hours a week. <laughs> Or they might say, you know, I, I'm not looking to sell, but if I get a good offer, I'll definitely consider it. Yeah. But, but people do tend to lean one way or the other. I think the key thing is what you say before before the word but. Okay. You know, I don't want, cre- you know, I'm not looking to sell, but I consider it. Okay, well, you're probably more on the lifestyle side. Yeah. Or if the goal is grow as quickly as possible, but... Not crazy hours, you're probably more on the high growth side, okay, and, and the key thing about that is you need to grow your agency in a way that's compatible with your goals and, and that's something I do with my consulting and coaching where early on we'll dig into are people leaning toward high growth or lifestyle because so i I help clients at any point along that continuum, but right. I need to know where people are to give them the right advice to help them meet their goals,
0: yeah. I mean, you got to define where you want to be if you ever have any hope of getting there. I think that's so, so important when you're a business owner setting out on a journey to dictate the steps to success. You've got to be able to break that down into uh, just like a GPS. You've got, to, you've got to set a destination before you can start your turn-by-turn directions. It,
2: exactly. The, the Stephen Covey concept, the seven habits of successful people around starting with the end in mind.
0: Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, I'm fired up for that track. You've got me hooked already. So um if you guys are heading into Boston, make sure you check out that. Uh Carl, another cool thing that you're into right now is inbound.org. You've got a pretty big community over there. Um you've it's growing pretty quick. You've had it for a little bit. Do you just want to share with us what are some things that you've learned after you know managing managing a community that size and just networking with other marketing agencies around the inbound space?
2: Last year in 2014, I saw that HubSpot was relaunching the inbound.org community, and in particular, adding groups to the site. And I went to the site and I said, "Huh, there is not a marketing agencies group." Well, you know, I, I'm a fan of agencies. That's why I've chosen to focus my consulting on agencies. And I thought, well, you know, let's let's create a group for agencies. So I created a group called it Marketing Agencies you know, no, nothing fancy name-wise. And the initial goal was to grow, I think it was something like grow to 15 or 20 people in the, in the first 45 days, something like that. And, and initially, it was going pretty slowly. You know, I was inviting people, encouraging clients to join, tweeting people to, to join the internet. And the growth has been incredible since then. Over the past year, the group has gone from zero people almost 700 from 600 different agencies in 47 countries.
0: That's awesome. The 47 countries gets me excited because with doing Inbound, we've been able to see the international impact of inbound. um, And it's really cool to see folks from around the world joining together in community to talk about this stuff. Um, As the facilitator, um, have you learned any lessons about your target market of inbound agencies and what makes them tick?
2: going back to your question before around what are the themes i've noticed i found there are certainly some regional differences for instance in australia people typically work 44 weeks a year in the us it's more like 47 you know they're they're getting those extra 3 weeks off yeah uh, and in some countries it's almost impossible to fire people once someone has started working for you mm. but apart from certain regional differences really there's more in common than not When you're running an agency, you want to work with clients you like, you want to do good work, you want to work with people you enjoy working with. Those are really universal things.
0: I love it. Um, Just as a – one thing that I fear um, when it comes to just community management is just folks kind of flooding it with content that they want other people to obviously just click through and read. Um, And I think what you've done there, building a group is a marketing strategy that if you're an agency that has selected a vertical and you can get targeted enough, you can use the same strategy of creating a community. It might not be on inbound.org. It might be on LinkedIn or a Facebook group or something like that. The idea of building a community and cultivating that can be a great way to build your authority. Have you learned any any lessons around moderation or around how to keep the group thriving and healthy so that it does continue to grow uh, along the same track that it has so far? few things.
2: One is to recognize people who are contributing. You know, so for instance, tweeting about, hey, great comment from so-and-so with a link to it so that other okay. people can see it. So that's one factor. Another is selectiveness on approving people to the group. Okay. So with the approval process, people can request access. And I found I'm typically rejecting about 10% of the applicants. You know, It's sometimes more, sometimes fewer. And the focus is people need to either work at an agency, they need to be a freelancer, or they need to focus exclusively on agencies. Okay. Uh, so, for instance, there is a request from someone who works with the list, which is mailing lists and and such for agencies. Mm-hmm. So they're not an agency, but you know they they fit. Uh, on the other hand, there have been some requests from people that you know seem to have no connection to agencies and it looks like they're just there to spam things so mm-hmm. in that case I'll I'll decline and if someone's on the borderline I'll tweet them and ask them to clarify their their agency connection so okay. that that has helped keep spammers out uh and to your your comment about say if an agency is creating a group in a particular particular industry you know i mean it it certainly helps from a sake and company business development perspective but i'm very conscious that i do not want to abuse that relationship. Mm-hmm. so when it comes to sharing articles, i share very few of my own articles cuz i do not want to come across as self-promotional. yeah. i would rather, you know, for instance, someone has a question about something, share a really good response. you know, that that ultimately is more about long-term relationship building than people submitting, you know, 20 of their own articles in a row.
0: okay. Yeah, I like that idea. Using Don't use it to send them somewhere else, but almost create that as its own sub-platform where you're adding the value in the comments right on site. Um, that seems like a good way to avoid that perception of, oh, he's just trying to get me to go to his website and download his stuff.
2: And I think some of that comes down to, do you have a long-term focus? I, I certainly do. Uh, I think the challenge can be when an agency is struggling to bring in sales for you know, for the next month or the next quarter, so much of it comes down to investing in marketing and long-term business development efforts now, so that six months from now, your pipeline isn't dry and you're not making those compromised decisions because yeah. you've just got to get someone in the door. And, and that could include some marketing compromises. It can also include, from a sales perspective, it can, could include ignoring obvious red flags. You know, where if you, you know, you you see a potential client, you're picking up some concerns about them, but you decide to move forward anyway. Yeah. That's, that that almost never turns out well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a red flag at the beginning. It's only going to get worse as you're going through the process.
2: Exactly. And and if you do take clients that have the red flags, sometimes based on where you are at your agency, sometimes that can make sense, but there needs to be a time limit. Mm Mm-hmm you know for instance maybe if you normally do a 1 year retainer maybe for them you want to give them a 6 month retainer
0: okay just try so it that, out
2: yeah yeah rather than uh rather than committing to to something longer
0: nice okay um kind of an off the wall question here but it's got me thinking you've got an entrepreneurial background you've spent a lot of time working with agencies Hypothetical situation: If you were going to say start and start an agency tomorrow from scratch, what would be the two or three things that you would want to do first to position that that new fresh
2: agency for success? One would be to choose an industry focus, okay. and you know a challenge there, of course, is you're you're choosing an industry without knowing for sure if it's going to work. So let's say in this hypothetical example. It's an industry you have experience in before, maybe on the in-house side, and you like the people that you work with, and, and you know th- there's sort of that fit there. That's probably the place to start, because you already are going to have connections in that industry. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that everyone you've worked with is going to hire you now that you're running an agency in that industry, but there's some familiarity there. You're not starting totally cold. You know, in, in my case, in starting Agency Firebox, now and Company, as a consultant to agencies and within marketing, having worked at agencies, I already had a network of marketers and agencies. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it, it was starting from scratch as a business entity, but not from a network perspective. Nice. So that that's one aspect. The other thing would be, focus on what do you need to do from a marketing and sales perspective to get the word out both short term and long term so for instance when i set up my website in 2013 the first thing i did was i set up a sort of an info page and with contact info and then the second thing i did was wrote a blog post because i know that you know i wanted i wanted google to start indexing things immediately mm-hmm. And I've written over 100 blog posts in the past two years, awesome. plus additional additional guest posts on the agency post blog through HubSpot and, and elsewhere. And it's one of those, uh, I, I've had some people reach out to me and say, I've, you know, I've read every article on your site or half the articles on your site, Nice. and and I'd like your help on my specific problem. You know, it, it's content marketing. And and it works in part because I've been consistently publishing mm-hmm. so it's one of those the sooner you start, the better it's going to work out later
0: yeah, I think you've got to practice what you preach as a as an established inbound agency. One of the good pieces of insight that Mike Lieberman shared when he was on the podcast a few weeks ago was you've got a lot more leverage in terms of how fast you grow if you have a steady stream of inbound leads coming in. And that gives you a position of authority if you've got a a legacy client who's kind of hanging around and dragging out more resources or it's just not the right fit, whatever it might be. If you do not have that steady stream of inbound leads, you're handcuffed to those old clients or to underpaying clients, whatever it might be. So I think the idea of getting out and just starting the – start practicing inbound for yourself is a great first place to start. I know that you are an advocate of agencies speaking. Would you mind sharing a little bit of insight around how agencies can move into that space and and any lessons that you might have learned along the way?
2: So speaking for agencies typically comes down to speaking, giving educational talks as a form of business development. The talk is educational. It's not a sales pitch. You know, you're not locking people in the room and making them listen to your talk in order to get a a free lunch kind of thing. Instead, it's people who are choosing to go to your event, whether it's one that you've organized through your agency or you're doing a guest talk at a marketing association, at an industry association, something like that. And the idea is that you're sharing useful advice that shows your expertise, and some of the people in the audience may eventually hire you. Now, there are certain things you can do to maximize your chance of that follow-on business. First, and I actually I found so many agency owners were asking me for help about this, I wrote a book. The book is called The In-Demand Marketing Agency, How to Use Public Speaking to Become an Agency of Choice. And it's on Amazon, both in print and Kindle. If you do a search for Carl Sakas, K-A-R-L-S-A-K-A-S, you can, you can see the book. And the Some of the themes around trying to get more follow-on business, one, of course, is make sure it's an educational talk, not a sales pitch, because if it's a sales pitch, people are probably not going to contact you. Another is to focus on, rather than converting people immediately, focus on getting people on your email list. If you can build a nurture campaign, or even if it's just getting them on the regular list, if you have some sort of a list premium to make it worth their while, that's how you get started. You know, most people, after hearing you speak for forty-five minutes, are not ready to fork over thousands of dollars. Yeah, but they'll probably give you their email address in return for a useful list premium. In my case, my list premium for Sakis and Company is a twenty-page ebook called "Don't Just Make the Logo Bigger: Taking Clients from Painful to Profitable." Nice. And it's been downloaded a bunch of times. And I, I get really good feedback on it. Some people have said, I printed out the whole thing, the 20 pages, and, uh, and you know, we talked about it over lunch at, at their team. So you know, it's really exciting to, to hear stuff like that. The other thing is to consider having a specific call to action around a particular offer. And you'd mentioned Mike Lieberman at Square Two Marketing. I actually interviewed him for the book because he gets one third of his leads through speaking.
0: Nice. I didn't realize that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things he shared in our interview in the book, he gets a third of his leads through speaking, between speaking that he and his business partner do. And one of the things he does to maximize follow-ons is he has an offer at the end of the talk. Okay. And that offer is to contact him to get a free audit or a free evaluation around the person's marketing. Nice. And he said two thirds of the people reach out to him for that free evaluation.
0: That's impressive.
2: It is. It is. And he noted, uh, as he, you know, as he noted in the interview, not everyone is necessarily qualified. Yeah, But that's a crazy response
0: rate. Yeah, it at least opens the door for further conversation from that point.
2: It does, and and you know, if you find out that someone isn't a match, you do the evaluation and. You know, point them, point them to a resource that's a better match. And and if they are an evalu- you know, if they are a match, uh, he didn't mention what conversion happens after that. Uh, you know, imagine for proprietary reasons. But uh, you know, just the idea of getting people in the door. You know, when it's so noisy, that that specific call to action. You know, in my case, my call to action focuses on the email sign up. Uh, you know, you need certain resources to do the evaluations. He has two people on his team focused on the post-talk evaluations.
0: Nice, okay. But
2: between he and his and his business partner, they're doing one to three talks a week. Okay. So that's a lot of, a lot of incoming leads. But, you know, that's kind of a nice problem to have. Yeah. So many leads that you're having to keep up with them.
0: <laughs> so you've got to integrate it. If you're going to add this to your marketing strategy, you've got to basically integrate that process and have a way once you get folks in the room butts in the seat have a system and a process in place to make sure you're following up with them effectively and leading first with value.
2: Exactly. And and the leading with value is important because if it's not useful, then no one's going to show up. Yeah. It, when I created my first talk, I focused around client service because that was the thing that that that's a universal challenge for every agency. You have clients. Some of them are great. Some of them are kind of so-so and some are terrible. Yeah. And so I, I called the talk, Don't Just Make the Logo Bigger. You know, it's almost a joke that clients will say, well, I, I want you to make the logo bigger. You know, and we can, we can all laugh about it, but, you know, you've got to answer their question. You've yeah. got to respond to that request. Uh, and so uh, it's Don't Just Make the Logo Bigger, creating great client relationships.
0: <laughs> that's, that's such a common pain, <laughs> the client yes, side. Oh, my god. Yes,
2: yes. And then, as I looked at you know what was the what was as I was developing a new talk what was the the second thing and I realized it was around time management hmm. and so I called that that talk twenty five hours in the day how to finally get it all done when you work in marketing nice yeah so the the key is focus on value and in my case my my clients are all agencies. When I speak, sometimes I speak at agency-specific events, sometimes I speak at more general marketing events, like the American Marketing Association chapters, American Advertising Federation, and so I've specifically customized my talks so they apply whether someone works at an agency or not, Okay, and nice. and have gotten good feedback on that, including people who work with internal clients and have been struggling with that at their company. You know, in some ways, internal clients can be even more demanding. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. someone's saying to the marketing manager, well, why can't you get it done tomorrow? You work here. Yeah. And meanwhile, the marketing manager is thinking, yeah, but I've got 20 projects ahead of you. (laughs) So I, I, I I like that my work lets me do three things. First, I like working with agencies, and I like that I'm able to make life easier for agency owners. Nice. Second thing is having worked at agencies, You know, there are a lot of ups and downs at agencies, and I like that the work I do helping agency owners ultimately makes agencies a more stable place to work for their employees. Mm -hmm. And then through my speaking, I like that when I'm speaking to mixed audiences of agencies and non, I can help non-agencies apply agency best practices to make things run better.
0: Yeah, almost like an agency, an internal agency within the company.
2: Exactly. That's awesome.
0: Any insight that you would share on how, if I'm an agency owner listening to this, how do I land a gig? How do I get my first speaking opportunity? Any insight there?
2: Start with people you already know. So if you look at your, your client roster, odds are good that some of them are involved in speaker selection for whether it's a trade association chapter, maybe it's something with the Chamber of Commerce, maybe it's something, something else. Someone you know, is either in charge of speaker selection or can influence, or at least send an intro to someone who does speaker selection. Start there. This is someone who already knows you. They may not have heard you do a public presentation, but they they have a sense of your communication skills mm-hmm. and your your overall approach to things. And so when they say you should talk to Andrew because I've worked with worked with him and he you know I understand he has to talk about such and such and. You know, I haven't seen it, but I think you should talk to him and check it out. That's way more likely to move you forward than you cold emailing yeah. the contact. Yeah. So start with people you know and focus. Put yourself in the shoes of the person who's organizing the event. So in my case, in addition to doing having done speaking for almost twenty years at this point, I also organize events. I organize a monthly speaker series for my coworking space. I've been VP of programming for a 600-member marketing association, Triangle AMA, and in my role as Triangle AMA's president-elect, I am now the head of our two-day conference. So we're going to have five national and international keynote speakers, nice. 20 breakouts for workshops to choose from, 400 to 450 attendees. This is Raleigh, North Carolina, March 2nd and 3rd, 2016, highfiveconference.com. <laughs> uh and uh, you know, with, with that I have experience on the other side of things of people pitching me to speak at my events. And I have to say, most pitches are terrible. <laughs> You'd think most speakers pit-
0: would have it figured out.
2: <laughs> well, you know, they they might be a good speaker. They're not always good marketers or good salespeople. Yeah. And you know, the, the biggest problem is focused around it's all about them. Hmm. You know, if the email is I really want to talk to your group, you know, and and you know, I really want to talk and you should bring me in. No, talk about the audience. If you can share about what the audience will get out of the talk, if you can share social proof, if you have testimonials from other places you've spoken or people who can talk about your expertise, Ideally, people they know or who work with other chapters of their organization, Mm -hmm. that's going to work a lot better. That's awesome. Focus on the audience. Okay. Which, you know, isn't that really what good marketing is about?
0: It's all inbound, just changing up the venues. Yeah. Love it. All right, Carl, let's transition a little bit. I want to talk, um, as you're going through operations for different agencies, do you have any favorite tools or any, any tools that you've seen that the audience may not have heard of so far that Can really help agencies streamline some of their processes or help them do things more efficiently?
2: There's no end to potential tools. One that I found really helpful is the Boomerang plugin, which you can use for Gmail, Google Apps, and Outlook. And it lets you have emails automatically come back to you if the person hasn't responded. You can also set it to remind yourself about the email. Say something comes in, it's important, but you're in the midst, you know, you're on deadline, you can say, okay, bring it back tomorrow morning nice. to, get that, to get that reminder. And you can also set it to send emails in the future. For instance, I have a coaching client where normally when I do coaching, I'll send a recap of their goals for the next session right after the coaching call. And he said, you know, it would help if you could send it to me two days later because that way I'll have made some progress and that'll be a good reminder about getting the rest done.
0: Yeah.
2: With Boomerang, that is effortless. I draft the email recap. I use Boomerang within Gmail and say, send this such and such two days from now, and send it, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Nice. And it's met his business need. So big fan of, of Boomerang. I've created a couple tools that are available free of charge on my website that can help make make things easier. One is the client ranking matrix. So when you work with clients, you know some are better than others. And one of the key things to growing your agency is trimming clients that are no longer a good fit. Definitely, Some of those are going to be obvious. Others, though, it's not as immediately clear. And in the client ranking matrix, it's a free spreadsheet. And you can use it to rank clients based on their current value, high, medium, or low, and their future potential, also high, medium, and low. For instance, you might have a client that is high value now, but you know that they're cutting back on their marketing budget. Okay, well that'll help you figure out what to do in the future. Maybe you have a client that's currently medium value, but you know that they have more marketing budget coming out, or or they're planning to add a new product line. And they, you know, you like working with them, they like working with you, maybe they have a high future value. And then you may have some clients that are low current value, low future value. Those might be the ones to trim, especially mm-hmm if they're ones that your team is frustrated to work with.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so that, that's a, a free tool, the Client Ranking Matrix. And another one that I've created is around time management. So when you're running an agency, whether you're agency owner or, or leader, one of the big things is how do you spend your time? Because you know, there is never enough time to get everything done. So it ultimately comes down to focusing on what's most important. Uh, I'll think of that in terms of the 80-20 principle, the the Pareto principle. What are the 20% of activities that will give you 80% of the results? Both long term and in the next week and you know in the rest of the day? What are those small number of things that have that big impact? When you're in the middle of day-to-day challenges, when there's when there are fires to put out, clients are calling. People are emailing, your team members are IMing you to ask questions. It's hard to step back and figure out, okay, where should I be focusing? Mm-hmm. So I created a tool called the, the Time Bucket template, focusing on where are you spending your time now and where would you rather be spending your time. Nice. And by focusing on that, that gap, for instance, I had a client who was spending a lot of time on admin work and he didn't want to do that. Well, once we were able to see how he was spending his time, I walked him through delegating some of those pieces to other people so that he didn't have to do it all himself. Another one is he wanted to spend more time on his own marketing, which which is a smart idea. So after we saw that that was something where he was spending very little time but wanted to spend significantly more, I worked with him to block in heads-down time on his calendar. These were two- to three-hour blocks of time where he could focus on writing blog posts and doing other marketing for the agency. And during that time, his team knew... Don't interrupt him unless it's an emergency.
0: yeah
2: and he closed his email, put his phone away and got stuff done.
0: I love that I love that that's a resource you've created because just managing time and when as an agency owner you feel like you've got so much on your plate specifically when you're getting started and getting ramped up but everyone has the same amount and just blocking time on a calendar can be a really really helpful way. batching activities is another way to really make the most of the resources that you do have um, yes to just help you grow more effectively Definitely, awesome. definitely. So now personally, Carl, we like to tap into what is a typical morning routine like? You're an entrepreneur. You're working with a lot of different folks around the country. How do you get yourself geared up each morning to handle whatever's on your plate for that day?
2: So an early part of my morning routine does involve coffee. <laughs> you know, that, that, that is a, a key point. Awesome. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know if I have a, a specific typical morning routine. You know, I, I've seen, for instance, the Ben Franklin calendar about, you know, how you would get up at 6 a.m. and you do this and you'd do that and you do that. Uh, you know, I, as much of a process person as I am, I'm more flexible about how I focus there. And, and instead, I block out time on my calendar and I know from my to-do list what the top priorities are. And, and then I'll focus on those. The other thing, though, is I also block in downtime as needed. Okay. So, for instance, on Monday mornings, you know, I know that Monday morning is not a super productive time for me. And so I block in time to recharge or, 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 or sort of ease into the week, which for me is reading the Sunday New York Times and drinking coffee and maybe reading reading a magazine and then at eleven, I dive into checking email and see what you know, see what's going on there. Uh, do some billable work later. Do some time for sales in the afternoon, sales follow-ups. And that's that's what works for me. So you know, I, I think the right solution is going to depend on each person. I, I think the most important thing is to know how you work. You know, I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. Uh, so, you know, I, I saw an article recently saying something like, you know, everyone should be an early riser. I would say, no, you should be an early riser if that's how you work best. But that's not a a prescription that's going to work for everyone. So know yourself and structure things around that. And when you're running your own business, you have control over your schedule. Yeah. For instance, I, I don't schedule, except in rare cases, I don't schedule client calls before 9 a.m. So I'd rather not be doing a call at eight a.m., <laughs> you know. And and on the other hand, being more of a night owl, I, I have several clients in Australia, so I'll do a call at six, seven, eight p.m. my time, and it's the, the morning in Australia or New Zealand the next day. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's fine. I, I'm I'm fine to do a call at eight p.m. more than eight a.m. You know, depending on the circumstances.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to not just take blanket advice, but look at the way you operate best and kind of set the rules yourself. If you don't take command of your calendar, your clients are going to, or your team is going to, or Twitter is going to, you've got to yep. be the one to set the framework in place. I think that's great advice, Carl. You've shared a ton of resources in this interview, and I'm going to make sure that we include all those in the, the post recap, um, which you can get to, but it's going to do inbound dot com slash podcast and you'll be taken to the inbound agency journey stream there, uh, Carl. If folks want to reach out to you, if they've got any follow up questions or they'd like to connect, what are one or two of the best ways that they can connect with you?
2: Go to sacusandcompany That's S is and Sam A K A S A N D company dot com. Company dot com. You can sign up for my newsletter, get that ebook I mentioned. Don't just make the logo bigger taking clients from painful to profitable. It's a free resource. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Carl Sakas. That's at K-A-R-L-S as in Sam, A-K-A-S. And would love to connect with people. Uh, It's always, reaching out is always free, and and it's also confidential. You know, if you're concerned about sharing things about your agency, I'm glad to sign an NDA, but I, I have info on the site talking about how whatever I hear I consider to be confidential, even if there is not an NDA, because that that's just my approach to business. That you know, I talk to lots of agencies, and I can share best practices and the next practices from them, but it's never specifics about so and so agency is doing such and such. You know, I, I think that's that's not a good way to do business.
0: Awesome, totally agree. I
2: I have one other offer for for your listeners. I mentioned you know we talked about just published the book. I have. I'm glad to send a free copy of the book to someone of your choice. You you can think about how you want to give it away, whatever, whatever makes sense. But if you want to send me their contact info, I will mail them the book wherever they are in the world.
0: That's fantastic. We'll definitely come up with something here, some sort of a fun challenge. Tap into Gray and I recapping this convo in about 45 seconds, audience, and you'll learn what you can do to get a free copy of Carl's book there. Carl, thank you so much for joining us here on Inbound Agency Journey and sharing your insights.
2: So glad to help. Thanks.
1: This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com
3: forward slash journey. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. This is Gray McKenzie, and I'm jumping in here to recap Andrew's interview with Carl Sakis. Andrew, hit me up with your, uh, with your big takeaways from that conversation.
0: I love chatting uh, with Carl. I thought it was a good conversation. And the biggest thing that I walked away with was that there's a lot of value in having an advisor or someone come alongside you as an agency owner. Just take a look at your business, review your goals with you. Um, Whether it's Carl or someone else out there who has some business expertise with them, that can just be a good perspective to have. Because I know, Gray, one thing that we've struggled as entrepreneurs is you get in there and you're in the weeds and you get so – Entrenched in what you're doing and just trying to move forward every day that you kind of lose that outsider's perspective on the business. So what I liked about Carl and what he shared about how he helps his clients is that he seems to bring that outside expertise in. And we didn't get into it in the interview, but I don't really, I'm not really sure what Carl's focus is or background is with agencies specifically. I don't think he's ever grown an agency himself or built one. He's obviously selected this vertical and he's gone after it and he's helped a lot of people in the agency space. But he's got the business background. And having someone with just a business background come in and give you sort of a fresh set of eyes into the business can be a real value.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I was uh, kind of thinking that the same thing that you just mentioned popped up. Like, I'd be curious to know more, and we'll have to connect with Carl um, in person. we'll, We'll see him here shortly up at Inbound. Don't know what the background is, but the power of the beginner's mind being a fresh perspective, I think that that can complement really well someone who also is a well-rounded business individual but maybe isn't as stuck on some of the things that – um as as folks who are gung-ho about inbound marketing or inbound in general, um, maybe he can leave out some of the baggage that we bring into the situation. And I think that that, that can be really powerful. So my – I think that the ideal scenario is to just have a balanced set of inputs, folks who aren't down in the weeds of what you're doing every day, but also folks who are, who've been there, Mm -hmm. um, who are, you know, the same stage that you are, but also folks who are the next level up, who have been through the struggles that you're going through now um, and kind of have the industry specific expertise and can can help you out on technical details as well. I think that's kind of the perfect scenario.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I liked what he said around sort of defining the business that you want. And the statement that – or what, how we pulled out identifying do you want lifestyle do you want growth around the butt, I thought that was a cool way to put it. Like I want to grow a big business, but I also would like some freedom and flexibility or I'd like some freedom and flexibility, but I'd be open to selling someday as well, kind of figuring out at which side of the butt is your statement to help you figure out where your your idea is. And that's a real challenge trying to figure out how do we find a balance here between – really putting the chips on the table and going for it or just building a business that's comfortable, that gets us the lifestyle that we want. Can you have both or how do you select your focus?
3: Right. There's a whole spectrum there between high growth, rapid growth companies where you're trying to sell, sell this. And like the, I think that the term lifestyle business has some, for anybody who is working a ton of hours right now, that probably has some negative connotations. Um, maybe not negative connotations, but just connotations of maybe, you know, maybe I work 20 or 30 hours a week, forties a busy week and um, I'm off traveling or doing whatever else I want to do. And I think that there's a whole spectrum there between the two. It's not just you're either this or you're that. But I think that bringing out from the very beginning, if we had to put you in one bucket, like what are those goals? And so coaching around your goals, um, that, That's a powerful concept, and that's something that's absolutely necessary to be successful in what you're doing. And and Carl brought that out well, I thought, in this interview.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to just be honest with yourself and really know inside, what do I want to do? Where am I trying to go? And we've had a bunch of people on here talking about agency culture. If you don't know where you want to go as the owner, how is your team supposed to get behind that banner and move it forward? So I think having a culture code in place is something that uh, is a really, really good idea. It's kind of a buzzword right now, Gray but having having that structure in place to help identify who are we trying to attract to the agency and have this vision be a part of it are you trying to be a you know a functional lifestyle business or do you want everyone in house are you driven to to achieve you know 100% growth each year where do you want to go because it's going to i think it's going to bring you peace in your own heart and it's going to bring clarity to your team and allow you to lead lead well moving forward
3: yep definitely I think it really impacts the team it might be easy it's easier for you to live in limbo and it's not a healthy thing but you can't live in limbo if it's just you or you know one or two folks but the more people that that scales to um, with no vision uh, people rarely succeed so yeah um yeah, and Andrew, I know that uh, one of the things that Carl talked about that you guys had a conversation around and that he does a lot is speaking. Um, any takeaways on uh, some of the things that Carl mentioned on speaking or on his specific talk coming up at Inbound?
0: Yeah, the I love this idea, Gray, uh, specifically around the the hug idea because we've got so many people who've come on the podcast here and shared how hugs have been a big part of their business. Doing events and getting – working a crowd and getting that side of the business going. I think it does a lot when you have a system in place. It's like it's like any other tactic within inbound. If you just blog but you don't have an inbound marketing game plan in place to do something with that traffic, it's it's useless. If you just go out and speak but you don't have a system behind it, a strategy behind it, it's just going out and blowing hot air around. But if you use it as part of your business and Carl is has opened up and he's going to Uh, give away a copy of his book. So if you're interested in learning more about this, you can check out Carl's book and we're going to talk through here in a second, how you can uh, get a copy of that or how you can enter to get a copy of that. Um, But it's like anything else. You've got to have a strategy in place to figure out is, does this make sense for my business? And obviously for someone like Mike Lieberman at square two, it's a big part of their business. That's a big, that's a big chunk of their leads coming from speaking. And just, is this something that you want to do? and then put a plan in place and go get it. You know, you've got to hone your skill as a speaker, just like you've got to hone your skill as a writer or as a podcaster or as someone on video doing webinars, whatever it is. But don't just focus on the tactics, focus on the system and the structure behind it because with a framework in place, this stuff is a lot more beneficial.
3: For sure. Yeah. Then let's talk about that. Um, Carl uh, he sent over a gift and, um, and so he is giving us the material for a giveaway. Do you want to intro what's going on with that?
0: Yes. If you would like to enter for your chance to win a copy of Carl's new book, what we want is a little bit of feedback from you. So all you've got to do is shoot Gray and I an email. It's Andrew at Guava or Andrew at doinbound.com and Gray at doinbound.com. We want to hear three things. It's a stop, start, continue exercise. I want to know what you'd like us to stop doing here on the podcast. This can be one sentence. What would you like us to start doing, something that we're not doing right now, and something that you would like to continue here on the podcast, an aspect of the show that you really, really like? So stop, start, continue. It can be a quick three-line email. Send that over to Gray and I, and that will be your way of entering into the giveaway here. We'll keep that open uh, for about the next week. So that is – um Today is the thirty first when this goes live, uh, so we'll keep that open until September seventh. And if you can send us that email this week, you'll be entered for your chance to win. And we'll reply via email, and we'll share the uh, we'll share the winner on the next uh, the next podcast.
3: Awesome, good stuff, Andrew. Just so everyone knows, uh, Carlos' book is called "The In Demand Marketing Agency: How to Use Public Speaking to Become an Agency of Choice." I have a copy and have been reading through it. I haven't finished it yet, Um, but it's good stuff from Carl. So excited to give that away.
1: Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.